Today's reading is from Acts uh, chapter 9, starting to read at verse 32. And it's called, Peter heals Aeneas and raises Dorcas. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation, which is my favourite version of the Bible. So please excuse me if the words don't quite match on the screen. Meanwhile, Peter travelled from place to place, and he came down to the believers in the town of Lydda. There he met a man named Aeneas, who had been paralysed and bedridden for eight years. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your sleeping mat. And he was healed instantly. Then the whole population of Lydda and Sharon saw Aeneas walking around and they turned to the Lord. There was a believer in Joppa named Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. She was always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. About this time she became ill and died. Her body was washed for burial and laid in an upstairs room. But the believers had heard that Peter was nearby at Lydda, so they sent two men to beg him, please come as soon as possible. So Peter returned with them, and as soon as he arrived, they took him to the upstairs room. The room was filled with widows who were weeping and showing him the coats and other clothes Dorcas had made for them. But Peter asked them all to leave the room. Then he knelt and prayed. Turning to the body, he said, Get up, Tabitha. And she opened her eyes. When she saw Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. Then he called in the widows and all the believers and presented her to them alive. The news spread through the whole town, and many believed in the Lord. And Peter stayed a long time in Joppa, living with Simon, a tanner of heights. Amen. The Gospel is full of passages entitled, Jesus Heals. And when you read the passages, people are always healed in response to faith. Either their own faith, or the faith of the person who's brought them to Jesus and asked on their behalf. People of faith, or to put it another way, people who recognise that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is God on earth and could do anything he wants. The religious leaders at that time, they didn't believe that Jesus was God. Despite everything they'd seen and heard, they refused to believe unless he would prove it to them. Matthew 12, 38 and 39 says that they asked Jesus to show them a miraculous sign to prove his authority, to prove that he was who he said he was. And Jesus said no to them. In fact, he was very clear that only an evil, adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign. The Pharisees wanted Jesus to perform for them so they could judge whether he really was the promised Messiah, and he said no. That's the thing about belief in Jesus. It can't be proven 100%. If it could, you wouldn't need to have faith. I can tell you why I believe in Jesus. 
Or I could tell you that the historical facts about the man Jesus, that he lived the life he lived, he died the death he died, are facts that are found not just in the Bible, but in other ancient texts. And that the evidence is all there to prove that Jesus the man lived. But I can't prove to you that he is God. Only you can decide if he is who he says he is. Only you can decide to take a leap of faith and believe that he is God with skin on, who came to live amongst us here on earth, and that through believing in him, you can have forgiveness for your sins and the promise of new life, eternal life. And if you have taken that leap of faith, or if you're thinking about doing it, and you believe that Jesus is our saviour and redeemer, and in fact God, then it follows that as God, he can do absolutely anything. Nothing is impossible for him. Jesus healed in response to faith. However, the witness of those who were healed and those who bore witness to the healings, they couldn't keep quiet about it. They recognised that only God can forgive. Only God can heal. And they spread the news that Jesus is the Messiah, the Lord of all lords, God himself. After Jesus' death, the early church was persecuted badly. And you can read in Acts chapter 8, verses 1 to 8, how the believers were scattered. Philip went to Samaria. And the Bible tells us that he told people about Jesus and that crowds listened intently because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs that he did. Many were healed and there was great joy in the city. Many believed and were baptised. In the reading we heard earlier from Acts 9, we heard that the whole population of Lydda and Sharon turned to the Lord when they saw Aeneas healed and walking around, having been paralysed and bedridden for eight years. The whole population of Lydda and Sharon turned to God when they saw Aeneas healed. I think that's just amazing. And later in the passage, we heard about a believer called Dorcas who lived in Joppa and died. Peter prayed, she came back to life. And this time we read that the news raced through the whole town and many believed in the Lord. So much excitement. Have you heard? Have you heard what's happened? Dorcas, she's been raised to life. Have you seen what's happened about Aeneas? He's been bedridden for eight years. He's been paralysed. He's now walking around. Look, isn't it amazing? All happened through prayer in the name of Jesus. So, in the spirit of sharing and in the hope of encouraging you um, that Jesus still does things, I'm going to share what happened to me. And it happened the Friday after the last healing service we had here, which was in August. So the following Friday, this happened to me. I'm very fortunate to love my job, and uh, I work in a really great place. I work for the NHS, but I'm a manager. I'm not a healthcare professional. And I work in Wolverhampton. And I've been there 11 years. So you can tell I like it there. It was Friday afternoon, and I was working in my office, and I have to say, my face felt a little bit strange. I wasn't sure why, it just didn't feel as it usually did. 
Anyway, it was nearing four o'clock, and it being a Friday, I was planning on leaving shortly thereafter for the weekend. Now, my office is next door to the matron's office, and uh, she popped her head round my door and, um, for a quick chat. And uh, after a minute or so, she said, are you OK? To which I said, well, I feel a bit off. My face feels funny, but I think I'm just tired and going home in a minute. To which she said, no, come with me. So within about half an hour, I'd had my blood pressure checked and I'd been seen by one of our surgeons who just happened to still be in clinic. And uh, he looked at me and he uttered the words that I didn't want to hear, which was, I don't want to worry you, but I'm going to ring the stroke consultant. So very quickly, I found myself walking over to A&E. And when I got there, um, they know me there because I'm one of the on-call managers and uh, very much had the VIP treatment straight into a cubicle and the stroke consultant came down very, very quickly. And I was very relieved to say that having examined me, he told me that I wasn't having a stroke, but I had a classic Bell's palsy and uh, I needed to have very high dose steroids for a week and then wait and see. So, Bell's palsy is when the nerves of your face become paralysed on one side. Your eye doesn't blink at all, and you have to put eye drops in regularly to stop it from drying out. I also had to wear a lovely eye patch to sleep in to protect the eye. And your face droops on the one side, and part of your tongue is numb, a bit like when you've been to the dentist, and you can't really eat terribly elegantly or drink, and you feel very self-conscious. My lips didn't line up, and I could no longer bring them together to moisten them, so they kept drying out. And because my face was skew-if, it really hurt on the other side. And I looked like this. This is me trying to smile. So um, it's not kind of how I normally used to look. So... Um, I had an uncle who had Bell's palsy, and his, treat, his was permanent, but apparently most people recover in about nine months. That's what everything on the internet will tell you, and that's what the healthcare professionals told me. So the following Sunday, the Sunday after the Friday, I went to, after the service, I went over to the prayer corner, <clears throat> and I asked for prayer for healing. And also, I knew friends and family were also praying for me for healing. I was hoping that I would be healed instantaneously. That was very much what I wanted. Or at the very least, wake up the following morning normal. But that didn't happen. So I went to work on the Monday morning, looking like this. Everyone noticed what had happened, and they were very kind. In my mind, I think I wanted everyone to see me as I was now, so that I could get all the discussion and all the, ooh, and the, ooh, what's happened to you, out the way as quickly as possible. I felt I couldn't hide away because if I was going to be like this for nine months or possibly forever, I just, I felt I needed to just get on with it. Everyone wanted to know what the treatment was and I told them about the steroids and that after that, it was just a question of waiting and praying. I saw the stroke consultant again. He was very kind and he said, oh gosh, that's developed. Um, because, yeah, not what you want to hear. <laughs> 
But apparently Bell's palsy develops over a three-day period, and the sooner it's picked up and the sooner you start the steroids, the better. He also said if there was not any change after four months, any change at all after four months, get in touch with me and I'll see if there's anything I can do. So this was a particularly low point for me, required chocolates and flowers from my daughter <laughs> and, and lots of prayer. A couple of days later, I bumped into one of those people that, you know, those people that you know to say hello to because their office is near yours, but you don't really know them. And um, I, I bumped into this lady, and she's a neurologist. But unbeknownst to me, she'd dealt with a lot of people with Bell's palsy when she'd worked abroad. She took me off to her office and gave me a sheet of face exercises to do, and a lot of really good advice about avoiding air conditioning, for example. Uh, you shouldn't have it directly on your face, um, and massaging your face, and lots of other tips. Uh, and she was great. But she's somebody I don't always bump into. But just a few days after, God caused me to bump into her. It was a difficult time. I prayed, and I knew lots of people were praying for me. I believe God could heal me if he chose, but why should he? My uncle was a good Christian, and he had his bell palsy all his life, so why not me? However, within a few days, I began to see signs of healing. And each day, there was a small change, a small improvement. And within just four weeks, I was 95% back to normal, which was absolutely amazing. And as you can see, I'm now back to my normal self. I have been healed. God was in every part of my journey. If the matron hadn't put her head around the door, if I'd gone home, which took, takes me an hour, would have been a lot longer than before Mark came home and went, Ooh, what's going on with you? Let's go to Surly Hall, where nobody knows me. I would have been in a queue. I'm sure I would have had great treatment. But there would have been the delay, whereas we know that early treatment is one of the keys. And so things would have been different. Um, I'm convinced that if people hadn't been praying, things would have been very different. So God is good. I don't know why God chose to heal me gradually rather than immediately, which was definitely my preference. I think we can get rid of the old picture now, thank you. <laughs> I've scared everybody enough. <laughs> but there is no doubt to me that this was a significant part of God's plan. He healed me and he brought people into my life at just the right time. I was able to speak to lots of people about the fact that nothing could be done except prayer. When my faith was, faith was back to normal uh, so quickly, so much quicker than the nine months that you know, we, I was told, everyone shared my joy and I was able to say to lots of people that this was because of the very early treatment I had and lots of prayer. We live in a world where Christians can't speak out freely in their workplace about their faith in God. It's, it's very much frowned upon, and people have lost their jobs for being too vocal. This experience enabled me to share my faith and what God can do very naturally, because people were curious and asked questions. And I hope that seeds have been planted where I work that will grow, and that the gospel has been moved a little <laughs> further forward in that place. 
God loves us because he loves us because he loves us. And not because of anything we've done, but just because. He wants us, first and foremost, to choose to believe in him, to have faith that he is God and that he can do anything. He can and does still heal in response to our faith and the faith of those who ask. He knows what is best for us. And what we want and what God knows is best for us may be different things, and this can be hard. Corinthians tells us that we see things dimly in the mirror now, and one day we will see clearly. But God sees clearly now. He has the whole picture. We see things from our perspective. We we know only this life, and we long for our loved ones who are ill or ourselves to live and to be healed. But Jesus tells us that the next life is paradise and that we will be with him. We can't imagine it, and therefore it's scary, but it is the final healing. Kevin White, our former minister, used to say, being a Christian isn't all pie in the sky when you die. It's steak on the plate whilst you wait. But it struck me that sometimes we focus too much on the steak and not enough on the pie. Heaven will be truly amazing, the best party ever. I don't know why Jesus heals some people and not others. I don't know why he chose to hear my bell's palsy. Um, Why not hear my painful neck and shoulder? But then thinking about the readings we've heard earlier, where everyone in Lydda and Sharon believed when they heard about Aeneas being healed. And many believed and were baptised in Joppa when they heard about Dorcas. And it got me to wonder whether there's a link between the miracles which show the glory of God and the spread of the truth of the gospel, that Jesus is our God, our promised King, our Messiah. That miracles can happen to come. That, sorry. That miracles can help people to come to faith My shoulder pain is not obvious. No one at work can see it. You can't see it. Everybody saw my face. And everybody saw it healed. So very quickly in comparison to expectations and what was written all over the internet. Lots of people where I work did a bit of research. Everyone knew it should take nine months. But God had a plan. And whilst hearing that prayer, that prayer had been involved raised a few eyebrows, there were also those who wanted to engage in conversation about faith and beliefs. There are many things I don't know or understand, but one thing I do know is that Jesus calls us to believe in him, that he is who he says he is. He alone is God, and he can do anything. He heals because of faith, And he wants us to have faith in him. But he won't perform for us to prove a point because that would take away the need for us to trust him, to believe in him. Jesus told us to ask and keep on asking and that our Father in heaven would hear us. So now, let us be bold and come to God and ask in faith for healing of our mind, body and spirit. We all need to be renewed, refreshed, forgiven, made whole, and to feel that special closeness and peace that dwelling in God's presence brings. So now, 
we're going to move into a time of prayer ministry. And I'd like to ask the prayer couples if you would like to move to your positions, please. Jill, you're here at the front with Mark, please. Thank you. So there's, there's going to be some music playing in the background. I'm going to ask God to come and pour out his spirit on us. If you would like specific prayer for healing, then please go to one of our prayer stations. There's one over in the back corner over there. There's one here. There's one here. And there's one just behind the baptistry. So if you want specific prayer for healing, then please go to one of our prayer stations. And our prayer couplets will be happy to pray for you. Also, during this time, if God has been speaking to you, about nailing your colours to the mast, about stepping over the line, about saying, I believe in Jesus for the very first time, then I want you to do a very brave thing and come to the front and I will very pray for you and ask Jesus to come into your life as you commit yourself to him. So, now, shall we pray? Father God, we come to you just as we are. Jesus, you know our needs. You know exactly where we are. You know whether we're hurting. You know whether we're going through a difficult experience at the moment. You know if we're worried for a loved one. You know if we're smiling on the outside and crying on the inside. Jesus, Whatever our needs, I pray that you will now pour your Holy Spirit down upon each and every one of us. That you will come, that you will forgive, that you will renew, that you will restore, that you will be very real to each of us, that you will give us your peace and your healing for our spiritual, emotional, and our physical needs. Father God, through Jesus, please, Send your Holy Spirit upon us now. Amen.